1: Hey, everybody, welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and here for another uh, lesson in marketing and branding, uh, I'm joined with um, Elite Consulting Partners, Chief Marketing Officer, Tina Beck, and recently announced president of our new organization called Elite Marketing Concepts, which is essentially our fractional CMO service business that have, has exploded uh, for, for many of the reasons that we're gonna talk about today uh but uh tina welcome back to the show and congratulations on your promotion into president of our elite marketing concepts uh branding and marketing company
0: thank you so much for having me again i'm excited to be here and share everything we have going on with everyone who's listening
1: awesome so so for my listeners uh that are listening for the first time we we have a couple of great uh podcasts that tina and i recorded a while back getting into the sort of the weeds on some of the branding uh terms and lingo seo and what does that all mean and how to create that today we really want to talk i guess a, a little bit about the the shift in advisor mindset um uh, whether whether you're whether you're already in that shift as an advisor or or maybe you're not in that shift and you need to be thinking about that shift um getting into i don't know if it's a four letter word but compliance as a dirty word in the marketing Um, in the marketing space and how it doesn't have to be a dirty word, right? And how there's ways to uh, work with um, your branding and social media and online presence and have it really work well with compliance, which is what everybody wants. How marketing can help you also increase your AUM and increase your practice processes. Um, And really, I guess from your perspective, Tina, some of the new trends that you're seeing. So um, why don't we talk a, a little bit about I'll say elite marketing concepts, but our fractional CMO services first. Just just to touch on that, so they understand where we're coming from um, and how fast this has grown in in a short period of time. From what 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 really was a a favor or an ask for a couple of our clients, like like hey, can't we just use Tina to uh, to help us? And we sort of went. It went from there to this thing that's just really becoming. Uh, a real a great uh, a great asset to the clients and the communities that we're working with. So, maybe just cover that for a few minutes, and then and then let's get into the the advisor mindset shift.
0: You got it. Well, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Um, you were out on your speaking tour that I, you know, you and I book um, for you going out um, to different um, engagements. And I think it was um, one, one of the ones last summer, someone came up to you and said, um, how does Tina pull that off for you? Um, what ad agency does she use? Uh, because people couldn't imagine we're doing all of this that we do for Elite. And what everybody knows from Elite Consulting Partners in terms of how we market, which is on so every social media platform, the podcast everyone's listening to now, our earned media placements, our new hire announcements, um, heavy content production, probably the highest in financial services. And you shared with clients who were interested, we don't use an ad agency to support what's coming out of her brain, she's developed her own in-house team and we do it all internal. And those same clients did ask for that favor. Oh, could we hire Tina? Could we hire her team? So Frank and I came up um, together with a program um, that we were, I will say might be the first time we undershot something together ever in projections. Um, Cause for those listening, Frank and I've worked together seven years now. I have never known us to not get a projection like within inches of where it needs to be L- and- let,
1: let alone under under assume right
0: under assume on a grand scale, so we were I remember we had a conversation and thought, well, we'll do this, and I bet you we get we'll probably get four right out you know four that we are really good clients and we'll we'll see where it goes. We had that that four in the first three weeks of launching the program, and we shared it with the client base that knew us through elite consulting partners and they shared it with people they knew in the industry and work got out and We are, and it's strange to say this, we are nine months in. We are currently managing over 45 billion in AUM, Uh, in terms of marketing. So our clients represent that volume of assets that quickly. We work with everyone and everyone in financial services. So I hear a lot from clients who are considering us, um, new clients that sign on. Oh, I thought you just worked with really big advisors. What I love about what we've created is a scalable program that's built on intersecting traditional marketing psychology and techniques with marketing technology in a way that turnkey fits regardless of where you're at as an advisor. So if you're a one person shop Or if you're a broker dealer, you benefit from our program in the same way. And it's so universal that our percentage of growth, which at a minimum in the first month, we are at 200% um, in terms of lead generation growth for our clients. Upwards of our high number in the first month is 1,943% growth. So we have done consistent across the board, regardless of who or the size, a measurable impact on roi with every client that we work with and we're it's using the same tools that everyone's come to know in respect that we've used at elite we work on website management search engine optimization we handle email drip campaigns and the funnels of the leads that come from those campaigns we take care of a blog post every month and we also do custom content generation for our clients and now we're managing multiple con um, podcasts for different clients as well as books um, we're We're working very closely with several clients about um, book launches that were their dreams that they never thought were achievable until they had us in their corner fighting the marketing fight for them so that they could focus on their personal goals, their goals for their practice and serving their clients.
1: And we're helping with, I guess, also ad spend. We we were were talking about that one day. I thought that was Mm -hmm. an interesting one because I started talking about that with you, that it's something that we need to be... um, sort of knowledgeable about and getting into that space because it uh, it's important and then literally like 3 hours later we get an email from one of our clients asking us to take over their ad spend right for for their facebook and all that stuff
0: And you know, if if for anybody who listens to this um, podcast, you know, Frank is big on visualization, I am too. And it's something I, in my weekly calls with clients, I coach about that, that um, a lot of marketing and what comes from that is understanding what goals you want in your mind for yourself and where you want to take your business and thinking that through strategically and it happens and it happens over and over again. And you need somebody who synergistically believes in you and believes in that type of process too. And I think, you know, it works with you and I. People seen it over the years, how what we've created by by having that kind of synergy in the marketing and business. And now with our clients, people are seeing it too. Um, one of the, one of my sources of pride, I don't know how you feel about this, Frank, but every client calls me their cmo so some days i get dizzy because it's like 30 people have called me their cmo and it's all different sizes of organizations and i'll be on video calls and there's my cmo and i thought that that's actually the probably one of my personal um moments of most gratification in this process is that we've developed relationships with clients that really matter we're not a service provider we're not just cranking out content me and the team, on all of us, have become integral, and they view us as part of their organization.
1: Yeah, I think testament to that is that a lot of our referrals are coming from our existing, yeah. our existing uh, CMO clients. Um, and for those that are listening, like Tina said, we have individual, you know, sole practitioners as clients. We have broker dealers where we're we're managing the broker dealer side of the branding, and then because of the response. That they're getting, they're then re- referring their individual their advisors that are affiliated with them over to us to engage with Tina. We're working with some RIAs, um, uh, asset managers to help them with their branding of their of their portfolio management processes. Um, I think we have some accounting firms coming on board soon. So all sort all within the financial services space, and that's it because that's that's what we do best. That's what you do best, I should say. Um, I give credit where credit is due there. Um, but it's how we think. It's how we think. Um, and so speaking of how we think, right, and this is awesome and everyone can follow me. Don't forget to follow me on uh, my Instagram, which is franklarosa.elite and follow me on LinkedIn and um, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. But um, one of the things that and, and part of, again, where the, the genesis came from, um, I was at an event um in uh, I think it was in was in Las Vegas um, it was at the um, market Council event in Las Vegas um, and I started noticing a mind sh- a mindset shift or conversations so we were in a room with a whole bunch of people and there was all technology and all this cool stuff all over the place and vendors there and all I kept hearing about was branding and social media and what do we need to do and what ha- what do we do and what we're not doing well and all this stuff stuff. And I came back to Tina. I was like, wow, this is really a thing. Like this is really starting to, cause I think the broker dealers and RIAs, um, are starting to warm up to the, or warm up slash realize that they have to change their attitude towards social media. Right. And, w- and when we say change your attitude towards social media, LinkedIn is yes, a form of social media, but it's like the bare, it's like the basics, right? Um, it's the other things, and so from your perspective, when you're talking to these new clients that are coming on board, what do you see as their as the shift in their mindset that they're that they that they have, right? What does that shift look like, and why are they then saying, "I need you," "I need you"?
0: So, I think it's where you find your clients now, right? So, back way back, and not not even I say way back, it was probably three five years ago. If you're an advisor listening to this, think about how you got clients to come to your practice. You sent out a mailer that came to their mailbox. You hosted a dinner and invited people to come to eat the free steak and you talked about your services. That's not where people are anymore. The biggest playground for people from an entertainment and from a knowledge gathering perspective and from a buying decision perspective is online. And online is social media. And social media works best when tied into a website platform that's integrated from a search engine optimization perspective with the social media, from a digital ad perspective that combines with those two technologies, and then creating a consistency where you are constantly putting data out so that it's reaching the right target. Now, what does that mean for an advisor? Well, first of all, the consistency is very hard for an advisor to accomplish. They want to be and meet their clients where they're at. But creating a structure where they know that they're going to post every two to three days at a certain time frame that hits their target market with a new and compelling message is difficult to pull out when you're managing a book book of business, you're managing your practice, and you're trying to grow. So that's one reason why a lot of people are hiring us is the actual manpower, support and creativity that we have and our ability to go in and completely offload that where they don't think about it. We're doing all the work. We're sending them the poster approval. They never think about it again. And we're giving them back 10 to 12 hours a week of their time and producing a higher result that's driving the right leads to them. Driving the right leads is the other area why people hire us. Some people enjoy posting on social media, and Frank, you're one of those. You like going on and you like putting up stories and you like making some uh, posts on the weekends when you have the time. There are advisors who are exactly like that. Where there becomes a disconnect is the search engine optimization. And search engine optimization is what allows content that you produce digitally to be seen by the right person in the right heart hierarchy in their feeds on Google, in their, or in their feeds on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever. So behind the scenes, on every single post, beyond the hashtags, there is a wealth of technical information you can enter on different platforms that ensure you get a higher result. Now, that's something that marketing professionals know how to do, and digital marketing professionals know how to do. An advisor shouldn't have to waste their time on that, but they can hire a firm like ours to hyper-target to the right person. Now, why does that matter to an advisor? What often happens with the tools that are out there that aren't a customized program like ours, our program is where we're giving everybody unique pieces of content just to them. They purchase on a mass scale Um, standardized posts that yes, are compliant, that yes, they know they can use and they just plug their logo in and they send it out. Well, a couple things happen with that. First of all, a lot of other advisors are doing that. So the message becomes diluted in the mind of the person who is seeing it. They've seen it four times before with the same format, the same stock image, the same And eventually
1: they just start scrolling over it and you're the seventh or eighth person That's that's posted it and they're not even looking at it.
0: Doesn't even matter to you. Um, So then you go past, so you've lost an opportunity for a lead there. The other issue comes in, in terms of geo-targeting. And this comes up a lot with some of our um, mid-sized teams down to our one-man shops. They are looking for a certain geographic area to draw clients from. So if they put out, um, oddly enough, today's national, well, we're, this will come out a little later, but the day Frank and I are recording is National 401k Day. Odd uh, that I know that. Um, people have put out National 401k posts. All, tons of advisors. However, if you're not geo-targeting, and let's say you're based in New Jersey, where Elite's offices are, and you put out that post, it, there's a probability you have people following you in other states that might not be people you need to service that are seeing that post and seeing it and calling you and wanting to talk to you, and that's a wasted effort because you might not be interested in or able to service that client in that other area. What we're able to do from a technology perspective is hyper-target certain geographic areas so that not only are we getting our messages seen more we're getting them seen by the right person which is what's driving in the mindsets of the people who decide to work with us and why we have the retention rate that we do and the excitement in referrals is that well wait I didn't just save time getting the work done I'm now saving time in my lead generation and my lead generation is producing a higher ROI because my marketing is now driving the right person in the right location with a higher result because I'm meeting them where they're at, which is online, um, not out in the world. So that's that's kind of the where where the puck is going, as you often say, Frank, the puck is going digital and advisors see it. They many just don't know how to capitalize on it. And we make it in a way that honestly, I always joke with the team that we're, we're the Disneyland of marketing. We are an exceptionally happy, energetic and passionate group of people so that we make sure that the advisors who work with us um, are as excited about where we're going to take their marketing in terms of reaching their goals as we are.
1: Yeah, we've continued to grow, in and the we, you know, we've grown. We added somebody uh, recently, and we'll probably add some more people. I have a call with someone this afternoon uh, that is, um, sort of in the space or wants to get into the space, but is really more AI driven. And so, like, that's interesting and sort of fun to talk about. Like, how can we add AI to some of the stuff that we're doing? But I want to go to the next topic because I think it's really important about hey this sounds great Tina all right I'm an advisor hey this sounds great but my firm won't let me do this because of compliance right yeah. um so all this great technology is awesome but my compliance department's going to probably shut me down right how are you getting around that and I, and I think it's important to maybe explain to the audience that you you sit in a, in a unique position with uh with with several firms, large institutional firms, in that you have the ability to uh, work with their compliance team directly. So, c- just talk about the the general, you know, compliance wor- world with marketing today, and specifically how you're able to provide added value to our clients.
0: Well, a lot of it, it's true. A lot of advisors are afraid that what they're going to do isn't compliant. And what I have found is actually compliance departments are flexing to meet this new need. Now it varies from firm to firm how much they have flexed, right? Some are more conservative than others, but. If you know the playing field within the organization and you know, honestly, I'll call them trigger points, um, promissory language we all know never can use it never will be allowed. But some firms will allow you to be exceptionally creative in terms of your graphic design, use of emoticons, how you link. Others will allow a lot of flexibility in how you have to use a disclaimer. So some of the things that you're gonna wanna say will require a disclaimer. I have found it varies we can either put it in the posts and in the content some have migrated to where i can create an online library of disclaimers and link posts and content to the disclaimer so that the appeal the eye friendliness of it to a prospective client is much better than a list of running list of of disclaimers at the end a lot of that yeah, a lot of it's just out-of-the-box thinking, and I think also being able to talk on the same level um, as everybody in the industry. A lot of advisors will use a marketing firm that's not financial services specific, and that can work there's a place for it, but if you know the industry and you've kept up with the legal codes within the industry, if you know what SEC and FINRA requirements are for storing and housing compliant data that you use in marketing, all of those different factors line up to efficiency and honestly, in compliance departments, trust. When a compliance department knows that you're following the rules, that you're being creative, but within the guardrails of supporting that organization and furthering that organization's brand message, they don't throw up roadblocks. I mean the lar- these large firms, they want their name out there. They want their advisor succeeding and their advisor succeeding is them succeeding. So as long as you're following the guidelines, you're allowed you're allowed to push a little. You just can't go over the line. Um, so the, a story so you're I was working sharing-
1: directly. So when you're creating a post or schedule a post, right? because you're you're really scheduling stuff out, you're actually working directly with the compliance departments of the organizations or are you going through somebody at the at the client's location who's then having to take that information and go you know and then wait around for a week before they come back to us with a, a, a approval on something
0: so Every practice is different. So there's a three different ways I, could, um, I can kind of bucket how compliance works. So we have clients um, for many of the large broker dealers, we have relationships where I can go direct, where I can actually access the dashboard that the managing partner uses and upload content direct to compliance. And because we have a very good compliance record, I usually hear back within 24 to 48 hours. And if there's a change it's minor and the team and I have it up within an hour and their the advisor is moving forward. So it, a week to two weeks never it doesn't exist in, in my world. Um, and I think that's just a, a longevity thing too. I've been in the industry a very long time now. So many of these firms and compliance departments have um, people within them who know me. Um, and that has helped me and my team. unfair um, advantage, so to speak. Uh, the other way that it works is that if we can't access directly, there may be somebody internal who has to upload to the system, but in those cases, what we do, because we're our job is to take work off of the firms that we work with and the, the teams that we work with. Right. So, while someone internal may have to upload it, one of our first things in our onboarding is I have them introduce me to who would be handling compliance um, once that is uploaded, and then that way – they just send me a message. It got uploaded today. It's approval expected this day. And then we loop around and then we push the ship forward so that it comes back faster. So that's the second way. The third way, and this is primarily full RIA, where the a fully independent practice. And we have um, four of those right now. The client is uh, the compliance. The There's actually, their compliance is internal to their organization because the, they don't have that affiliate. So they have either a chief compliance officer inside or they have hired an external chief compliance officer, um, much like somebody hiring us for marketing. Um, interestingly, in the cases where it's internal and where they have an external chief compliance officer, many times I am given a lot of rope to just move forward because of my experience. So it might be just a rubber, like a quick approval um, for some of the more high level things. But in general, um, social media posts, items like that, I have a, I have a wide berth in terms of um, what I'm able to pr- approve on the behalf of the organization. And then we keep the the FINRA and SEC records for our clients. So everything that we post, we actually archive, file, and date and timestamp all approvals, all submittals, where it went, when it posted, who posted it, who touched the file. We retain that for every single client that we have so that whether they get an unexpected audit or a biannual scheduled audit we're able within minutes to send them the exact file and when they sit down for their audit have it approved Uh, we just had a client go through that actually and it's one thing to say it to to a firm and this was a full ria you know firm they keep their own internal records they trust they trusted us to do that and it was their biannual audit and we, I zipped the file, I sent it to them, they emailed me, it was actually the beginning of summer. They literally emailed me on Mor- Memorial Day morning saying they forgot to tell me about the meeting one Tuesday. Could I get the files to them? And I had it over to them in five minutes. Right. And they, you have everything ready. Well, when they sat down, it got approved because we know what we're doing in terms of keeping them records, right? So the weight off of the shoulders of the advisor and the firm, gives us a lot of leeway to really, I think the almost disruptive in the marketing content that we're creating and really push boundaries in a way that other marketers can't. Um, And it all goes back to the industry expertise.
1: Very interesting. I I definitely think, you know, I look, I talk to firms when we're working with, an advisor in transition and they're talking to a firm and the firm's pitching them, well, they have access to FMG Suite and um, other internal libraries of documents and material. And I I say to them, look, that's awesome. But most of the time, advisors don't want to have to actually go and do the things that they have to do to use that material. And that's where you're coming in and one of the things and one of the reasons why i think that advisors don't do enough social media is cuz they just don't feel like dealing with the compliance and so yeah. um we you've clearly solved for that you know you mentioned and um com- with marketing increase in assets new new clients lead generation all that stuff and that's great and and that if and i think you can touch on that a little bit more on some of some of the results potentially but one of the comments that you made to me was how Branding and social media is affecting succession opportunities or successions, right? If you're looking for a successor or you're a practice that is looking to acquire practices, right? How are you seeing social media uh, and branding playing a role in that space?
0: So, in terms of succession, particularly if you're an older advisor looking to attract a younger advisor to your practice, you want a driven younger advisor, someone who has a reasonably sized book of business, someone who's going to take care of your clients when you go. Well, a couple ways that marketing and social media impact that. First of all, a younger advisor is going to want to see that you have. Built digital asset and marketing value within your practice. They're going to want, they are more attracted because it's where they, they grew up, what they use. They are more attracted to a practice that has a system and process in place to drive marketing messages in the digital space than they will be to someplace that does not. So that increases your chances of finding the right successor in that regard. The other thing that we're finding is that the asset value of a practice by making an investment in a solid marketing plan that you can actually proof statistically drove ROI. So it's not just saying, and when I say ROI, a lot of firms will refer to, I drove an impression rate of X, Y, Z number of clicks and looks in a month. That's important. It's not to say it's not important. I use those numbers myself. It's what guides me to developing um, and managing the team towards the right content for clients. However, when you're actually able to correlate marketing activities and how those impressions ultimately convert to phone calls, appointments, and leads ultimately convert to dollars in the door. You can substantiate and validate a marketing expense as an actual asset generator and drive up past the AUM, the value of the practice. So, for instance, one of the clients we work with has um, actually gained um, almost fifty million in AUM since they've been, they've joined in and worked with us.
1: Which that is rel- been- which is a relatively short period of time.
0: Yeah, because, again, we've been doing this for nine months, so that that's an exciting number in and of itself. Well, we, not only did we impact their internal systems and processes, not only have we made them more attractive to having a potential younger advisor come in from a succession opportunity standpoint or m and standpoint, but we have also added to the asset value for anybody looking outside, what's this business worth? Well, this business was worth a lot more because they invested in marketing than it was when they didn't, and that was through social media and website and the leads we were able to, and it's something we do with all of our clients. um, And it's why I take on Frank knows I take my quarterly reports with clients exceptionally seriously. It is not just showing them the analytics on social media. I actually quantify sales funnels and ROIs and help them find pivot points to take leads that are coming in from social media and make them more profitable. So we're business strategists too, on top of everything, which um, makes us a, a lot a lot broader than the traditional traditional marketers you'll ever
1: run into. Yeah, I think so because we're again we're in the space we're seeing it. We're having conversations with with advisors that are transitioning all the time, and this is one of those topics that comes up all the time. Um, on the, the last last part, and we can we can talk for hours on this stuff. Um, but when you look at you know what we what we're seeing, and you made a comment about where the puck is going, um, and I and I made. I talk about this guy I'm interviewing today. That's a, sort of an AI guy. You know, we'll see. We'll see what he does. But what are, what are some of the trends that you're starting to see now uh, that maybe you didn't see a, a year ago? Are there are there any trends? Are there anything that you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming, or wow, this is really a new a new uh, a new way to go? What, what are those things that advisors should be thinking about?
0: And some are quite simple um, and some are a little bit more complex. So I'll start with one that's simple that every listener who's watching and or or um listening right now could use immediately. Um, changes in how to post your blog posts. So the way it used to be is you would take, you'd write your blog post, compliance will approve it, you put it up on a blog page of your website. But the way that the algorithms online work best is when you create multiple touch points back to a piece of content, and that pushes you up in search engine rankings for various pieces of content, both in social media and in Google searches and any other online search. So just posting a blog post isn't enough in the world that we're in now. Creating a what um, a lot of people in the industry call pillar pages, which is a themed page about a certain amount of con a certain type of content writing a blog post about a subset of that content and linking it back to that page. And then ultimately from that, generating unique social media posts that are customized and linking those back to the blog post, and then getting someone else to mention the blog post and linking it back, pushes you up in the search engine rankings. So that's a strategy I use. It's the strategy I've used at Elite for quite some time, but now advisors have mechanisms through um, what is uh, w- what we can do in the digital space where I can do this on the advisory level as well, I'm seeing that with all of our clients, we've taken them from being, you know, page three or page four or page five in Google to being all consistently all of our clients are on page one. And most of our clients, 80%, are on the first position in a Google search, and they're not paying a paid ad. It's because we're using that kind of strategy in terms of touch points to one piece of content. And most advisors do put out a blog post every month. And using that strategy on one blog post per month will actually impact. Quite a bit how you're perceived in the digital space so that's something i share because it's um, not every advisor is utilizing it and it's simple to do and you're probably 80 percent of the way or 90 of the way already you just have to put post a couple extra steps um, to take advantage of it and of course we handle that with everyone we work with the other trends is the ai and i i want to talk about ai quite a bit because um AI is a unique tool if it's used properly. So Frank, uh, Frank and I just gone through kind of the process of buying AI tools and, um, different resources we can use in um, working with our clients, high quality video production, um, high quality access and legal access to um, contemporary um, photos that aren't stock photos. Those are things that are important in the industry right now. As an advisor, you don't necessarily have to get it yourself, but if you're considering a marketing firm, make sure they have it. It's something that I made sure we had, Frank nature we had because Having dynamic content that ties into the zeitgeist, the popular culture, uses compelling fonts and music, all of the digital platforms are prioritizing video production over copy. So if you have just a still image and you don't put anything behind it in terms of links, alt tags, or any optimization, and then you just put a caption, you're not going to show up high in search engine engine rankings at all. You have to have a mix of still posts, video posts, carousel posts, reels, and then the content, and then the SEO to be able to play the social media games effectively. And AI- I'm laughing,
1: I'm laughing, and if you're, those of you that aren't watching this on video, on our YouTube channel, which is Advisor Talk with Frank Rose on YouTube, I'm just grinning because if I'm an advisor listening to this right now, I'm going, holy moly, like that's a lot of stuff. Um, and yeah. you probably are an advisor that maybe you've been run, doing it yourself, but really, what you really have is you have your assistant, who's probably younger than you are, and he or she is has their own Instagram page and has a LinkedIn page, and has a Facebook page. So you nominated them to be your social media person, even though they don't really have any idea. What Tina just basically went into was how complicated it's getting nowadays um, to have your content be seen by the right eyeballs. It's not just like, oh, posting something in in in, in all candor. Sometimes I see posts out that come out and I flip them over to Tina and I'm like, oh, we should be doing this. And she'll say, yeah, but and she'll like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not getting any views and it's not getting this. It's not getting any of that. And she goes right into exactly why. Uh, or sometimes we analyze our our hashtags. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're going through and we're analyzing are the hashtags that we were are, that we're using. Are they effective anymore? Because Facebook and Instagram, they keep changing their the rules of the game as you're learning because they want they want it to evolve. And I think that as, as a financial advisor, you're focused on one thing and you do that really well. And uh, which is why I believe our, this business is exploding. Um, Tina does it really, really well. And so I think that's huge um you were going to mention one other point about the ai and i just want to bring bring something back to the succession piece because i think it's important
0: i just want to caution everyone with ai because a some ai tools are not compliant right now and um there's a reason for that algorithms for ai tools were developed years ago And they're still, in a lot of ways, using those same algorithms in the current AI that we're getting. Now, can you use AI like ChatGPT? A lot of people are using ChatGPT and things like that. If you're doing something very generic, a client outreach letter, you're not a a great writer, don't like it, and you want to send a follow-up and ask them to schedule a meeting – yes, use that tool, that can that can make a lot of sense. Where it gets complicated is if you have a designation, like a CFP, um, a SEPA, if you are referencing something that's um, specific to a certain type of program, like 401K, those are things that change and shift in terms of how we have to reference them in copy and marketing. Every single year in terms of, of the compliance. So what was is not what is now, and that can get into sticky waters. So I always, even with our own clients, if they're do if they have those tools, I give them the same tip: you use them, but use them judiciously and use them um, in the right space where you're not relying on um, anything with designations or any um, type of FINRA or SEC compliance um, because it's not going to match. It just it just won't. It's not there yet i'm sure it will be but right now it's um it does not always give the output that you need um, to be compliant when referencing designation
1: okay that's very interesting thank you uh so heed that warning (laughs) uh the 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 last piece that i just wanted to make a comment about because i don't think people understand this um, and it's really simple but when you mentioned you're talking about succession planning or succession opportunities um, you know, we get into we we're in the MA space and the recruiting space a lot, and I don't think you if you're an if you're an advisor or practitioner or business, whether it's a whether you're a broker dealer or you're an RIA, and you are in the recruiting space, meaning you spend a part of your day trying to convince advisors from other firms to join your firm, whether that's a recruiting or you're trying to buy their practice, those candidates. Are looking at your social media presence. They're going to your website. They're going to your LinkedIn page. They're seeing if you have a Facebook account or a or an Instagram account or whether well, even even if it's a personal account. If you're the CEO of a broker dealer, um, they're going to go see what your personal life looks like. Right? Like, do you have an Instagram account? And what is your are you do you have a family? Do you what do you do on the on the weekends? Like, what are your hobbies? Those are the types of things where it's. That social media is more impactful with it's getting people to learn about who you really are, right? What your firm is really about. What do you do on the weekends? And so that it's a they're judging personality and culture and character and all of those things. So you need to be thinking about your forget about just you know what's our what does our transition deal look like and what does our office look like? It what does your social media presence look like if you're in this space? because it can be a separator with whether you win a deal or don't win a deal. Um, you might think that you're really smart and you might run money really well, but if your, if your website, and I'm saying it like this, cause I see it all the time, even still in 2023, you know, your website was built in, you know, ages ages ago by GoDaddy or something like that um, or whatever. And it's uh, you know, the, the, the margins are off and the letters are over top of each other and it looks awful. Um, that says something about or it's perceived to say something about your business. So that's a warning from, uh, from me to you all that you need to take care of your household and make sure that your presence um, online looks good because it's important because you may not even get the phone call from an advisor that you're trying to recruit if they go look at your website and it stinks. Um. So, anyway, I didn't want to. It's. It's. Uh, you know, I think that um, this has been awesome, Tina. Thank you very much. Look, every time I and we work together, right? You're, you're basically <laughs> my partner now in in, uh, in in lead marketing concepts. Um, I continue to learn stuff from you just listening to you about all of the things uh, that you're doing and the advancements that you're making. I'm proud to uh, have you as a partner proud to have you as the president of of our company elite marketing concepts um looking forward to getting that out and getting our website launched and all that good stuff for those that are uh interested in learning more or looking for tina's help um, you can uh, email her at tina at elite you can hit her up on linkedin uh, you can hit me up at Frank at EliteConsultingPartners.com or go to my Instagram page at FrankLaRosa.Elite. Um, we crossed 40,000 followers a few weeks ago. And I think we're at uh, not quite 41,000 followers, but we're getting there. Um, but it's really important. So we're here to help you. We continue to build out our team. We have plenty of capacity to bring on more clients. We love what we do. Tina loves what she does, loves helping advisors. We're we're about to help another client with. Uh, she has a uh, her her divorce financial divorce financial uh, women's uh, designation, and she's building a whole business model around that. And so Tina's going to be helping her with, with that. It's it's tremendous. Um, we're really excited. I'm excited for the client because she's excited. Um, so that's why, like, I get excited, and you get. I knew when you guys got together that you you click <laughs> and, and love working with each other. So, anyway, Tina, thank you very much for the time. Um, we'll get this out and hopefully um, there's some more people out there that we we hope this has helped. We understand it's a lot but it's a, it's a uh, it's a new frontier in the social media space so thanks for everybody.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to advisor talk with Frank Larosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to eliteconsultingpartners.com slash
1: podcasts.